from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Has the pressure shifted? Is the expectation different? Have the playoffs in the NBA normalized to the point that the number two seed looks like it and the number eight seed looks like it also? If that's the case, are we willing to say that this is now Boston's series moving forward? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And Harry, this becomes really difficult for me. You know me. Uh, we're going to deal with this all football season. Like, if you are looking for a show that's going to panic on Mondays after one result, the answer, unless it's my beloved Raiders, is always going to be patience. I love being able to look at teams over like a three-game block in the NFL. I always say it takes three games to figure out what we're really seeing. I want to look at this series in blocks. We've seen really good from Miami. Now we've seen really good from the Celtics. What's it mean moving forward? We'll figure that out with our next guest. Quentin Richardson, 13-year NBA veteran co-host on the Knuckleheads podcast. Q, always appreciate your time and uh you played in miami you know spo how concerned are you about miami's effort and how concerned will coach be about just the fire that they came out with last night or didn't come out with yeah absolutely thanks for having me guys i mean i know for a fact that spo is i mean he he's as intense as it gets he's as prepared and um he takes it as serious as it gets so i mean i know he's not taking any of these games for granted and he's doing everything he can from a coaching position to get these guys in in position to close this thing out back at home because this is absolutely a must win at this point well i'm glad you said that because that's what i was going to ask you next game six being a must win for miami why do you feel that it's it's that way for them I mean, obviously, you don't want to go back and, you know, game seven is a situation where, you know, anything can happen. All bets are off. Whatever happened throughout the series is pretty much doesn't matter at that point. And to have that game on their home floor is, a, you know, is, a, is what anybody would want. So for Miami, this has to be, you know, in, in a frame of mind where this is our game seven. We have to close this out here on our court because we don't want to go back into, you know, Boston into hostile territory with everything with the whole series on the line, knowing that we lost three straight. Are you surprised that we saw a sort of, let's just say a different version of Jimmy Butler last night that we've seen throughout the rest of this series? Um, I think, you know, those are one of those things, man. I don't want to, you know, make any excuses, but Boston is a great team in their own respect. And, and, you know, they hadn't played like that the first half of the series. And, you know, for whatever reason, they've found that and they've been able to get back to the Boston that we know so, I mean, this is kind of what people expected in the early part of the season. I mean, with a, this series, they expected things to go this way as opposed to how they went. And um, now, you you know, this is why you played a seven-game series. You got, you got yourself a real series here, and I'm enjoying it. Now, Kyle Lowry started last game in Game 5. That experiment did not work. If Gabe Vincent isn't able to go in Game 6, what should the Miami Heat do in those regards? I think you still, I mean, if Vincent isn't able to go, I think you still go with Kyle, man. Kyle is somebody, you know, he didn't have the, the, the greatest game last this, this past game, but I think he's somebody who's trusted in the NBA, trusted definitely in Miami. And um, I think he'll show up, man. He 
he doesn't. He I don't think at this point in career he's the guy where he he's going to show up and score twenty five plus points. I think that would be bonus. But I think showing up in all of the little places where he shines, taking charges, playing defensively, being scrappy, and you know just putting pressure on the ball and pressure on the rim offensively, and still being able to find guys. I think if he can be great in that role, I think that can can definitely help. But I mean, Gabe Vincent has been a. You know, he's been a scorer for them. So, I mean, he's going to be sorely missed regardless of what happens. If he's not able to play this next game, I think that's big for Miami. It's going to be sorely missed. We're talking to Quentin Richardson. You can check him out, co-host of the Knuckleheads podcast. And Q, I mean, Harry played basketball. Harry's brother played in the NBA. You played in the NBA. I'm, yeah. just, a, I'm just a pretty guy that sits in front of a microphone. So you got to explain <laughs> to me. Like, like, at some point, when I see inconsistent, it drives me crazy because I don't know what I'm supposed to make of it. And Boston has, at times, been inconsistent. One of our experts this morning said that Boston's biggest enemy has been Boston. So when I'm trying to analyze yeah. a team that has been up and down like that, how the hell am I supposed to do it? Uh, that's not something that you could always explain, man. That's why sports, you know, they always say the games have to be played and, you know, different matchups make different fights and things like that. So all of that goes into it. But I think I agree with what, you know, what everybody's saying, you know, the, the, the Boston has had this, you know, Jekyll and Hyde kind of uh, identity about themselves. And we know that when the good Boston shows up, they've been one of the best teams in the entire NBA. But also when the when the other Boston shows up, they've not been one of the best teams and they can be had by anybody. So that's been the biggest mystery. Can they consistently be good? And if they can, we know what they what they are capable of doing. When you've been on inconsistent teams, how have you guys been able to fix that? Mm, that's not I don't know that I've ever been on an inconsistent team and we fixed it that, that same season. I, I I've been on the teams that I've been on has been really good. We've been consistent in that from start to finish. We haven't, you know, I mean, you have lows and where you don't, you know, it's always the up and down of every season. But I think our, our habits and the way we carried ourselves was, was consistent the whole season long. I think just the ebbs and flows of the NBA season, you don't have some high, high points and some low points. But I think if you, the teams that are consistently, you know, who they are with their work ethic and they and they practice habits and who they are as a team, those teams kind of turn up in the, in the big moments in the playoffs and have consistency and have that, that you know, they got that pedigree built about themselves because they've been doing it. So, Q, the Boston Celtics, when they're turning the basketball over, that's when we see a lot of the inconsistencies. When they're taking care of the basketball, in which they have done in the last six quarters, we see the greatness of this team. What goes along mm-hmm. with taking care of that basketball is the ball movement. Why is ball movement so important for this Boston Celtics team more so than guys just dribbling the air out of the basketball and going one-on-one so much? In my opinion, that's the biggest difference between, uh, in, in all due respect, I think Joe Mazzulla has done a great job under these circumstances being as young as he is and going from where he was to being in this position. I think he's done an outstanding, unbelievable job. But I think that's the biggest difference between the experience that uh, Eme had and that he had garnered from, from being an assistant for those many years and, and at that high of a level and then elevating to the type of head coach that he had become, I think that's the biggest difference, that the ball movement and all of those different things, it was more of an accountability factor from Eme rather than it is from, from uh, Missoula. Because a lot of times when you talk about some of the turnovers and some of the when they get into these, you know, runs where teams can go 11, 12, whatever the run is on them, it's because of the, the type of shots they're taking. Whether it's Tatum, whether it's Brown, whether it's Smart, whoever you want to name, 
those a lot of those not to say they never took those shots under email, but those those things were held in the in, in check. He would take a timeout, he would get on them immediately, and you could see it on the court before they even get to the huddle. He's meeting them on the court aggressively saying things and talking about what just happened and those type of things matter. Like, you know, had you played in sports when you had a coach that was gonna hold every guy, if you're going to hold a top guy, which is Tatum and Brown, you're going to hold those guys accountable in front of everybody and for the world to see, that's going to that's gonna resonate through the whole rest of the team because everybody knows they're not up there with those guys. And if he don't check those guys, I, I, I better do right. I better take a smart shot and, and not get out of line here. But when you when it's not as intense as it once was, you, you, you know what I'm saying, guys can have more confidence to do what they want to do. And you see that sometimes show up in those stretches of runs against them. Well said. Yeah. That, that. Speaking of coaching, I got to ask you, Woj reported Doc Rivers is among the four finalists for the Suns job. You played for Doc. You played for the Suns. You like that match? Um, I don't know. To me, to me, in this day and age, man, it's more about whether KD and Booker like that match. I mean, any of us can like it as much as we want and have whatever <laughs> opinion we want, but I think the biggest thing we've learned about this this generation and what's going on is that the coaches don't line up with the superstars, that that's not going to work. And I think, it, 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 you know, I think obviously that the, 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 uh, the Suns will, you know, consider what Booker and, um, and KD want to do. I don't know how how much that'll have what impact, but I'm sure that, that, you know, the level of superstars they are, it will definitely be have some consideration given to those guys. And I think that's the biggest point to me, like what what they what they accept and what they want, because ultimately if they don't accept it and they don't buy in, it doesn't matter who you bring in the door, it's not going to work. Also well said, brother. We appreciate your time, your expertise. Check out the Knuckleheads podcast. Thanks for hanging out with us, Quentin. Anytime, fellas. Keep doing what y'all do. Quentin Richardson, 13-year NBA vet. Again, check out the Knuckleheads podcast. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and pet health insurance like I do with Annabelle. Hi, Annabelle. I love you. All right. We have breaking news. This is Justin Shefty is getting this out to this world, to the world. Breaking news. The Arizona Cardinals have released DeAndre Hopkins, the team announced. Hop now becomes a free agent and instead of being traded, can sign anywhere he wants. Again, the breaking news from Adam Schefter, the Cardinals have released superstar DeAndre Hopkins. So, coming up, Harry will tell you where Hopkins should sign next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. We have breaking news here on Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Adam Schefter has broken it here. DeAndre Hopkins has been released by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, he's made it clear that he wants to play in a better situation. We'll break that down for you now. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. 
It's important to note, now, DeAndre Hopkins can sign anywhere. Now, money is no issue. He can decide what money he wants. Now, that's certainly an issue for the teams that sign him, but no contract he had in the past is beholden at this point. So, it's important to note, and then it's important to figure out what he wants. There's a couple of layers to this. First, before we get any thoughts on this, I want you to hear what DeAndre Hopkins specifically said recently about what he's looking for. I've been through three to four GMs, my career. Mm. So, a stable management. A QB who loves the game, QB who brings everybody on board with him, which is not just himself, but, uh, you know, people around him. And a great defense. I think defense won championships. Now, Harry, before I get your thoughts on where he's going to go, Adam Schefter just tweeted this out. On a recent appearance on the I Am Athlete podcast, free agent wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins listed the five quarterbacks he'd most like to catch passes from. This was on the I Am Athlete podcast in no particular order. The Bills' Josh Allen. The Eagles, Jalen Hurts. The Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes. The Ravens, Lamar Jackson. And the Chargers, Justin Herbert. That's who he said he'd most like to catch passes from. The question I pose to you, Harry, is who should be right now trying to figure out a way to bring in DeAndre Hopkins? Where should he want to go? I think the Kansas City Chiefs. And you look at a guy, Patrick Mahomes, is the centerpiece of everything that they've been able to do in the quest of winning their two Super Bowls that they have at the moment when Patrick Mahomes has been his quarterback. We do know that Juju Smith-Schuster is no longer there. He was the guy that Patrick Mahomes counted on outside of Travis Kelsey last season. So if I'm DeAndre Hopkins, I'm definitely looking at the Kansas City Chiefs and being able to catch balls from Patrick Mahomes. I think also Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Uh, With him, Gabe Davis, along with Stephon Diggs, I think that would be a phenomenal trio. Also, it would give Josh Allen a guy that – he can throw jump balls to a guy that has a hell of a wingspan, a large catch radius that can go up and get the football if you put it anywhere near him. I also believe, though, Fitz, the Detroit Lions are in a spot to what what they was able to do in free agency and also the NFL draft. I think the Detroit Lions have exerted themselves in a conversation to possibly land a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. And surely I know they got um, say um, St. Brown. As their, as their number one receiver at the moment, but you add another big target that has that catch radius that I just mentioned to, to their offensive uh, power that they do have and the, the pieces that they added in, in, in the draft as well, I think the Detroit Lions could do some phenomenal things offensively. So here are a couple of interesting sort of nuggets on this. It's Fitz and Harry on the breaking news that DeAndre Hopkins has been released by the Arizona Cardinals, can now pick where he wants to go. What's interesting is that some of the teams you mentioned, it's difficult, but I wouldn't say impossible. Like, let's remember restructures are available. So you mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs. According to OverTheCap.com, the Kansas City Chiefs have less than a million dollars in cap space. So it's super easy to look at that and say, well, it's impossible. Then I pull up the details on it. Well, Patrick Mahomes has a $39 million cap hit this year. Chris Jones has a $28 million cap hit this year. They could certainly restructure some of these deals to create some cash, right? Uh, so, sounding bonus? I mean, it's <laughs> it's amazing how quickly they can say, we're going to convert this, we're going to you know add this, especially when you talk about somebody like Mahomes, who just the other day said he cares about legacies, not getting paid. Now if they come to him and say, hey, we need to do a quick restructure where we give you some cash up front, add some money to this uh 
this way, like that's an easy sales pitch. The Bills only have $1.5 million in cap space, but at the top of their cap number right now is Josh Allen at $18.6 million. So I wonder if there's going to be some cap work done. But you did mention the Lions, and what's interesting to me is that right now the Lions have a ton of cash available. Right now in active cash space, they have $23.7 million. So the Lions don't even have to do something cute. They can just get it. Mina Kimes tweeted out teams that should aggressively pursue D-Hop. She had Detroit listed first. She agrees with you. Some of the other ones she, she listed, New England, Carolina, I'll use those mm-hmm. two, Indy. Uh, those are organizations don't, don't, in my mind, really meet the criteria he mentioned. He wants a stable front office that's been there, right? He wants a quarterback that, you know, loves coming to work every day. Well, with New England, we don't know how their quarterback situation, we know the front office is stable, but we don't know about quarterback. Carolina, Indy, we don't know about any of that. You got new leadership constantly, new quarterbacks. Is there a team you're leaving off the list or something? I, I hadn't gotten there yet. Uh, okay. She also mentioned Dallas and, I don't know, Hotland. Oh, wings on three, wings on me. I would love to see DeAndre Hopkins here in Atlanta, another team that has cap space. They have money to still spend if that's what they choose to do. And you look at the lineup, you look at a B. John Robinson, a Tyler Ajir, a Cordero Patterson, a Drake London, a Kyle Pitts. You throw in DeAndre Hopkins with that as well, and you have your young quarterback, it, with all those offensive pieces, I don't know how he's going to fail. Yeah, here's the thing. I think to your your sales pitch to him, you're like, "Hey, Hop, you want to play with Pijon? Yeah. You want to play with Kyle Pitts? Yeah." The the list goes on and on and on until it comes to a screeching halt when you're like, "And your quarterback can be Desmond Ritter." How dare you? <laughs> and your damn team quarterback is limping across the board right now. You know, li- sign the contract knowing he was going to be limping across the board. They don't even know who their quarterback is going to be starting the you season know what? because you, he's limping everywhere you, right now. You just said it like uh, now that you put it in the ethos. I mean you want to put DeAndre Hopkins out there I don't know with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers and uh, okay no that's not going to happen. <laughs> we all know that. De- DeAndre like he's actually pressing the straight to voicemail button every time if it comes from a 702 call. We know that. Uh, Dallas is interesting right? We know. Yes. Dallas is a good spot. Like Dallas makes sense. You got a quarterback that I think a lot of players particularly believe in. They have about 10 points $5 million in money right now, but again, they can shift some of that around. Uh, if you want to talk about stability, I mean, the Cowboys have stability in their front office. You know who's going to be running everything every single year. They got a quarterback that wants to show up to work every day and be great. Like, I think the Cowboys make a ton of sense. Well, I think what's also important here when you look at DeAndre Hopkins, he's a guy that can be a safety valve for a quarterback. A quarterback gets in trouble. Okay, if, if this guy's double covered, I can still throw him up the football and have 100% faith that he's going to come down with it. We call it a 100-100 ball. See, people on the outside fits that aren't receivers, they call it 50-50 ball. Whoa, he made that 50-50 catch. Damn that. Receivers call it 100-100 ball. That's the kind of guy DeAndre Hopkins is. But also, he's elusive with the football in his hands. I don't think he's out of his prime. I still think he can play the game of football at a very, very high level. And he could be very meaningful to a football team in a quest of them having success. Now, quickly, Diana Rossini has pointed out the Cardinals have released Hopkins, but... He could technically still be traded by 4 p.m. Eastern. If he's not traded, then he's cut. Two teams competing to sign him don't have to compete if you trade, let's say, a late rounder. It's unlikely, but could still happen. The one team that was listed there, by the way, that we didn't mention at all, uh, that's the Philadelphia Eagles, who, by the way, have more money. Even though they have signed Jalen Hurts, the Philadelphia Eagles have more money right now than the Cowboys do. We all know what's funny. 
I think when it comes to their third wide receiver spot, that's an area they can be better at too. I mean, but you would have three number ones. You just have three number ones on the field. It, it, but it is funny when you think about the fact that you're talking about Jalen Hurts, you're talking about Josh Allen, you're talking about Patrick Mahomes. These are all instances of the rich getting richer. Like there's a very good opportunity here for a player to oh. look around and say, "I want to win a chip." So what we see every day in everyday life. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I love every ounce of this. I what love we it. see in everyday life as plus, we open our eyes and wake up. Plus, there's one place he could go. That could actually have MVP leaning. It could change who the most valuable player is in the entire NFL next year. We'll tell you where that is. Plus, who had the best and worst NFL offseasons? We'll play too high, too low, just right next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Hanging out with Louisville Hall of Famer Harry Douglas. Say it one more time again. Louisville Hall of Famer oh, Harry my, Douglas. My bad, Evan. I'm just putting some respect. I'm not doing this right, Harry. I'm just putting some respect on your name. Oh, you got to use a K. Respect. That's what I, that's what I did. Respect. The respect. Put some I, respect. <laughs> I don't know why it doesn't work right for me, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep trying. I, I'm so in love with you. <laughs> this love is Friday, baby. Love Friday. It's just, I don't know. It feels all ron- ironic right now as maybe the Arizona Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins could have sung this to each other somewhere in the process. It obviously didn't happen. And now the breaking news is that the Cardinals are releasing the superstar wide receiver. DeAndre Hopkins will be available to test the open market. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. You know, we always want to stay together with Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider. I love the irony of let's stay together as we're going through the breaking news of a superstar player in the team not staying together on Love Friday. It feels more like a breakup Friday right now, Tannenbaum. So thanks for the time. Uh, in your mind, when I say DeAndre Hopkins, what teams stand out to you that should be in the mix right away? Great to be with you guys. Uh, two jump right out to me, Kansas City and the Patriots. You think about Kansas City, you know, over the last few years, obviously they moved out from Tyreek Hill. McCall Harmon left in free agency. They drafted Rasheed Rice. And Kadarius Tony is certainly emerging. But, wow, could you imagine um, Patrick Mahomes having a weapon like DeAndre Hopkins? That would actually be phenomenal. A guy that, you know, has a wonderful catch radius. But we all know Patrick Mahomes makes everyone around him better as well. But Y'all my just team... want me to go to rehab right now? Like, you put him on the Chiefs and I'm just going to drink my <laughs> – You know what? Forget this interview. Go ahead. Well, they, they have songs about I'm rehab. Gonna, so just, if you need to go, you know, just, to each his own. I'm just going to start drinking You know, now. we support everyone, Fitz. We support <laughs> everybody. Right, Mike T? 100%. And look, you know, being a Raider fan, like – you got to hang in there sometimes, and this may be one of those times. <laughs> Some, so what Mike T is not telling you sometimes means 30 years at a time. Go ahead, Harry. Ask an actual question while I sit here in my misery. Mike T, in your, in your, in your eyes, how much does you know, DeAndre Hopkins have left in the tank? Look, I think if he's healthy and you know, getting through that suspension, um, 
I think he could still be a frontline receiver because he has such strong hands and he has such a good catch radius that even if his separation isn't what it once was, um, I think he could still do a really good job for at least a couple of years. So he'll be 31 in two weeks. I think you get at least two really good years out of him, if not more. And um, I think someone's going to get a really, really good football player in the coming weeks. Uh, Mike, you mentioned the Patriots. I want to double down, though, here, and let me be a hater for a second. He can pick anywhere he wants to go. Why would he want to go to the worst quarterback in the division on the worst team in that division in a stacked AFC where he's likely not even going to make the playoffs if he wants to win? A couple of reasons. He could impact the outcome there. Um, and I think with DeAndre Hopkins, I think New England has a real shot of being a playoff team. You know, we forget they have a great defense. And um, I think if you think about Mike Kosecki, Smith-Schuster, Ramondre Stevenson, they have a lot of good pieces on offense. I think this just brings them to a whole other level. So um, clearly Mac Jones is not close to the echelon of the Josh Allens, Lamar Jacksons, Mahomes, and Burroughs. But I think he is a good quarterback. And if I'm DeAndre Hopkins to get play under uh, – Bill Belichick for a couple of years would be interesting. So one of the things I think about New England that makes me think that DeAndre Hopkins wouldn't want to go there is that Bill O'Brien, who was his head coach in Houston, who traded him, is not an offensive coordinator. So that's why I don't know if I don't know if New England will work for DeAndre Hopkins, Mike T. Yeah, I would say that um, you look at Darius Slay in Philadelphia. Um, Matt Patricia is now there. We know that that ended with some bumpiness in Detroit. So it's a fair point, but Bill O'Brien's a professional. DeAndre Hopkins is a professional. And um, I think it, it could work its way out, but it, it's something that Coach Belichick would have to address. It, it feels like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike T, because nobody ever likes to think of tanking in the NFL as actually happening, but it, it feels like this is the Cardinals saying very aggressively, we're out. What does that mean for Kyler Murray going forward? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, it's going to be hopefully Hollywood Brown can emerge as, you know, that number one receiver. He's undersized, but he's very, very explosive. Um, you know, Rondell Moore is another guy that um, undersized, but he, he can be explosive. And they drafted a big physical receiver in the third round, and Michael Wilson from Stanford. So um, the coverage's not there, but clearly they're not where they were when they had someone like DeAndre Hopkins. So um, clearly this is a team in the rebuild. Kyle Murray's going to be coming off of a big injury. they got a rookie head coach that's uh, very talented but very young, and um, I can see why they'd want to do this, but their receivers are okay but certainly not great. If you ran the Cardinals, Mike T, would you be willing to suck all year long just to get Caleb Williams? Yeah. If I was there for the next five years, I think Caleb Williams would be a great player. I think Drake Bay has a chance to be really good. Um Taking nothing away from Kyle Murray, but boy, I'd uh, I would love to have Kyle, Caleb Williams as my quarterback for the next five to ten years. So when it comes to DeAndre Hopkins, what about you know the Baltimore Ravens? Because you know he he touched on Lamar Jackson and what he brings to the game. Yeah, I, I think if we were talking about March Harry, absolutely. But now that they have Odell Beckham Jr., Nelson Aguilar, drafting Zay Flowers in the first round. Rashad Bateman, former first rounder, coming off of injury. Um, I, I just don't know if they have a need that they once had at that position. What, what does the salary in your mind look like for DeAndre Hopkins? Like, what's fair and reasonable at this point in this com- in the conversation? Yeah, you know, um, Harry, I'd say it's similar to what OBJ got, somewhere probably around fifteen million a year. So, not exactly what he was making, but close to it. But I think OBJ is a good comp. 
you know, obviously a, a great receiver when healthy and available. Um, and I think there'll be a decent market for DeAndre Hopkins because he's so productive, but it is late May. Hmm. The Detroit Lions and Atlanta Falcons may have some money to give them. I mean, mm. can, can you talk? Can you talk, Harry, down on the Atlanta Falcons here? Like, Desmond Ritter is not a good quarterback, right, Mike T? Come on, back me up on this. Oh God, I just laid it out there. Yeah, yeah. No, look, the best grade you can give Desmond Ritter is a grade of incomplete. We just don't know. Okay. Um, you know, they took Drake London in the first round a year ago. Obviously, Kyle Pitts has to hopefully take the next step for them. Um, but yeah, if I'm a receiver. I'm doing a one-year deal. If I'm DeAndre Hopkins, uh, I'm putting Desmond Ritter a distant third after, you know, certainly Mac Jones and obviously the great Patrick Mahomes. You know what? I'm going to have so much crow to eat if Desmond Ritter turns out to be good this year, which seems to be a theme. Mike T, we, get it ready. we appreciate you answering the bat phone for us. Have a great holiday weekend. We hope you get some rest. and Just get out there on a boat, relax, and every time you have a drink, just think of me because that's what I'll be doing every single Sunday. This Smoke week. a cigar or two, too, Mike T. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. All right, guys. Thank you. It. That's Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN <laughs> NFL front office insider, giving us the scoop on the breaking news. DeAndre Hopkins has been cut by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, I will remind you that that is the move, but the move doesn't become official until 4 p.m. Eastern, according to league rules. So if somebody wanted to swoop in at the last second and take him for the contract he has right now, they could try and work out a deal with the Cardinals. We've seen things like this in the past. Until 4 p.m., somebody could come in and try and take this from being cut into a trade. That is highly unlikely at this point, but as we get more developments on it, we will let you know. Y'all will stop disrespecting my Atlanta Falcons and Desmond Ritter. Y'all will. It's okay. It's okay. It's going to come a moment where I'm a, ah, ah, all on Fitz and Harry. Just wait. It's coming, ladies and gentlemen. It's if, coming. If there's anything you have learned about me in our time working together, my friend, even when I'm wrong, I don't admit it. So we'll just see what <laughs> I can't. I can't just ask Lakers fans. I always eat crow. All right. Who had the best and worst offseason in the NFL? We promised it to you. We will get to it next. Bill Barnwell had some words about some teams. Man, he was wrong. He's not coming on. We're just going to call him out for it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Tune in for baseball action tomorrow. The Braves. Host the Phillies. Coverage begins at 3.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Now, Harry, you know why I have this sensual voice of love right now? Because I am... Please tell me. I am in love (laughs) with some renderings that are out there. The Mm -hmm. Oakland A's have released the first renderings of what the stadium is going to look like on the Las Vegas Strip. And I'm just telling you, it's making my no-no say yes, yes. I am all in on this. 
put me in the Ooh. green and yellow. I mean, you are talking about if you're sitting behind home plate, you got a beautiful view of the Las Vegas Strip. It's right there on the corner by the MGM, right over there. It's a walkable to where Allegiant is, walkable to T-Mobile. I'm telling you, it is so sensual. I might have to stop staying on the Caesars Inn and start becoming an MGM guy permanently. Think I'm, I think I just became an MGM guy permanently just so I can hang out near this stadium. It is that pretty. Are you, you going to come to the opener with me? Like, it's in Vegas, bro. Of course I'm coming. It's in Vegas. When this, What's the motto? Uh, uh, What's the motto? And what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There you go. Mm-hmm. Set for herpes. Uh, that's from it's from the Hangovers. I'm, I'm telling you, it's from the Hangover. All right, uh, only you, only you, only you. It's a line from a movie. I promise you. Now that I've made America uncomfortable, uh, let's make everybody, uh, all fan bases in the NFL, uncomfortable. Time to play a little bit too high, too low. Uh, just right. We're going to call this, it's like Goldilocks. We should call this Goldilocks, Evan. Uh, you know, as we're going to have Evan come in, he's going to give us a team. Now, this is based on Bill Barnwell, who ranked the NFL's best and worst offseason. So far, we've only seen the worst, right? So he's given some of the worst offseasons in the entire NFL, not the least of which we'll get to the team. It's not even on the screen, but I, I've got I've got an issue with who he said had the worst offseason. We'll get to that. But Evan gets to pick the team and then tells us where they ranked, and we decide if that's too high, too low, or just right. Right, Evan, are you ready to be famous? Let's do it. All right, let's go. What do you got for us first? All right, Fitz, you taste it. Number 32, the Tennessee Titans. Is it too low or just right? How can they be the worst offseason in the entire NFL? Like, what did the Titans do or not do? Now, I understand, as he points out in the article, that they're a little bit stuck in the middle. They're not really rebuilding. They're not really winning. They still have Tannehill, Derrick Henry. Uh, they asked Kevin Byard to take a pay cut. He didn't take a pay cut. He's back. I understand that it's a, maybe a confusing offseason. But, man, I think the Titans, while I don't think the Titans are going to be a great team, I think right now people are putting them in the lower third of the league. I also don't think that's true. I think the Titans are a 7 win football team that that has an outside shot at making a little bit of noise this year. Yeah, I think they're going through a process, a process and that's going to take, I think, two or three years for it to get back to what it was, and that was them being a number one seed in the AFC and also winning that division because of the emergence of the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they got uh, Skaronsky. They was able to get him at the center position, and they were able to. They was able to draft Will Levis. You have Derrick Henry coming back. You still do have Tannehill. You just mentioned you have Byer. You have Jeff- Jeffrey Simmons. You still have some pieces on this football team. I think to not have not not have them be in the place that they are on this list. All right, sweet. Who you got next for us? Now let's do the Jets, number twenty three among all offseason teams. I don't know how Harry, you can have them number twenty three when they have the biggest acquisition we've seen in the last generation. Like at some point, no matter what else they lost, the Jets got Aaron Rodgers, and my God, Greeny's insufferable right now. How can you say that the Jets had a bad offseason when Greeny is this and so Evans terrible to work with every day because of the Jets? I think this is a wildly <laughs> ro- low rating because be, with Bill only because uh, of the Jets. Only I'm because of the Jets. Well, I, I agree. So I, I agree with you guys. And all season long, all we kept talking about is what if the Jets had a quarterback? Because none of the ones that they actually had on the roster completed more than 60 percent of passes. And they got one of the best in the National Football League. I know a lot of people look at the year that he had last year, but that, that that's not who Aaron Rodgers is. And even his worst year is a lot of quarterbacks best year. They were able to get him. They were able to get Chuck Clark from the Baltimore Ravens. They were able to draft. Uh, who was it? Will McDonald? Donald, uh, uh, Evan? Yeah, Will McDonald, who well, was at the top of their draft board at the time. I don't want to hear any draft, of this. They at got... the top of their draft board, <laughs> as well as bringing Al Lazard, Miko Hartman, and other pieces. So I, I don't agree with that ranking. 
Yeah, for all the people who think that the Jets like got caught with their pants down and Broderick Jones still has traded up for him, go watch what happened on YouTube. The Jets have an off-season YouTube show. Joe Douglas said at the time Will McDonald and Michael Mayer were ahead of Broderick Jones on their draft board. He says it at the time before Broderick Jones gets drafted. So the Jets wanted Will McDonald all along. That's what Robert Sala said. Now we have to believe him. You said all the people that got caught with their what? Pants down. Hit. Now, everybody said the Jets got caught with their pants down by the trading down. Hey, love Friday. Bill Belichick got them. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're all wrong. Oh, wow. Okay, no <laughs> fandom in that take. Go ahead. What do you got for us next? Candy and Carlin talking about you. Number 21, the Ravens, after bringing back Lamar Jackson. Too high, too low, just I, right. I, Harry, this feels wrong to me, at? too. Like, at 21? 21. Oh, like, Zay Flowers was one of your favorite picks. Like, what are we Odell doing Odell Beckham Jr., the addition of him as well. Yeah, so I, I don't I don't think I agree with that one. Look, I I want like I've always wanted to party with Bill. I really want to party with him now because Bill's obviously hitting it. That's all I'm saying. Like Bill's three edibles in at this point. Bill Barnwell putting out the NFL best and worst off seasons. He must have st- taken my stash before he wrote this article. Yeah. What do we got for? Us? I think he got the next one right though. You right? son the, of a biscuit! I'm telling you, the Falcons are 26. Oh, oh yeah, well, <laughs> that's right. That's right. actually <laughs> he he did not get that one right. What the Falcons were able to do this off season and bringing in Calais Campbell, David Ominyata. Uh, also, Keaton Ellis, Bud Dupree, uh, being able to trade for Jeff Okuda, bringing in Jetsy Bates III, on top of what they were able to do offensively in drafting B. John Robinson, I don't think that's right either. Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. I think the, the Falcons have had a strong offseason. So far, I think Bill's gotten all of these wrong for the reasons. And by the way, I think Jesse Bates is going to end up being one of the best signings of the entire offseason. Uh, I think we can all agree at the next one, though, right? Like, number 29, the Giants, too high, too low, just right? Oh, yeah. I mean, they overpaid Daniel Jones. They still don't have Saquon in. <laughs> Darren Waller's got paper-thin hamstrings. Like, this is the most overrated team in the NFL this year. Dev, then, why do you keep hitting that buzzer? Why? Why do you think? I disagree with this. I, you, you know disagree? what? Actually, I'm happy Bill did this. We we, we want to be the underdogs all year. I love it. Keep, keep, keep it coming. Okay. No problem. All right. What do you got for us next, Dev? I mean, uh, how about the Rams? Number 31. Oh, you are toying with my emotions. Well, I actually think the Rams are, this is a good place for the Los Angeles Rams. I, I just, I don't know where they're going to go as a football team in 2023. So I think that's a good spot. Yeah. Also, I think we have to acknowledge the Rams knew they'd be in this spot. It just doesn't feel like they're doing anything to get out of this spot. So I am, I'm surprised. I think the Rams have had a terrible offseason. Yeah. All right. Next up. How about this, Harry? The, the Raiders. Too high, too low, just right. Let's keep in mind, they did sign a quarterback who needed surgery at the time. Number well, I think thir- it's just right. Oh. They're, they're number 30. I think it's just right. Part of what he faults in the article is trading up to get Michael Mayer, which I think is a terrible thing to fault. And Michael Mayer is going to be a star in this league. He also faults trading up in the fourth round. The Raiders had 12 picks. They didn't need 12 picks. They they moved up to get guys they think they, they can help them. I'm not saying the Raiders have had a blockbuster. You sounds salty. Uh, I'm saying 30 is low. And also, he's still faulting Derek Carr and Jimmy G and, and last year's Devontae Adams move. Like This this is years of aggression together from, from Bill Barnwell. Bill Barnwell, you know what, for the day, Bill Barnwell has been banned from this show. Ban Bill Barnwell. I'm going to make that a thing. We're going to make it a But he, he had the Raiders right. No, he didn't. My God, he didn't have the Raiders right. He had the Raiders in third word. You're right. He had him you way too high. Coming up, it's a Harry <laughs> Douglas show. I think I quit. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio will not stand for this Raiders slander. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 